Hello and welcome to another edition of the Purple Theory Podcast. My name is Grant McGalliard. Have alongside with me my co-host, my friend, Parker Fleming. Parker, how you doing, bud? Great. I am uh, doing great. A little uh, early season kind of sluggishness, inactivity here with TCU with the FCS game and a bye week. But, man, we're back. And, uh, look, we got, what, 12, 13 straight weeks till the end of the season here. Just an absolute uh, absolute sprint for uh, TCU football. So I'm excited to get into it, excited to talk about what's happened. Uh, yeah. How, how are you? I'm doing great, man. Um, since the bye week, I turned 27, watch Appalachian State beat Texas A&M. Uh, it, it's, it's been a heck of, heck of a two weeks. I, I think there's an old, um, video on YouTube, uh, where the guys like, well, some people say, oh, you know, drinking's a marathon, not a sprint. Well, I sprint marathons and that's what TCU football is going to have to do over the next few years. That's a few months. That's what we're going to have to do. I think over the next few months when it comes to podcasting, uh, cause it's, it's all downhill from here, man. There's a lot of games in a row. Uh, you know, the the rubber has met the road metaphorically and, and perhaps literally as TCU is uh, going across the Metroplex to play SMU this weekend. I think we've got a lot of um, thoughts about this, a lot of takes, a lot of insight. I will one shout out. Um, Joseph Hoyt is the uh, maybe he's Dallas Morning News, covers yep. SMU, does a great job. He and uh, our friend Stephen Johnson, who. Uh, was going to come on our podcast and we just had scheduling issues. That was totally us, not him. Um, yeah, they, they did a space earlier today and kind of got the uh, juices flowing about, you know, when like this matchup and the X's and O's. So I'm really excited about it. Grant, before we get into that though, it has been a wild like week and a half. Um, let's, let's talk about a little bit of this. I mean, it's, I mean, Texas almost beat Alabama, man. What's going on? Dude, that game was wild. Texas would have beat Alabama if Quinn Ewers had not gotten hurt, correct? Like, uh, he, I mean, we could play the what-if game, whatever. I mean, Alabama would have called different above, plays. I'm not above believing that Nick Saban did the um, uh, gladiator stab in the chest before you go up into the arena thing to his team there, just to prove a point. Like, Fair enough. I mean, we saw what they did against Louisiana Monroe the next week, although that is Louisiana Monroe. But Shout out Texas to uh, looked- Terry Bowden. Of course, uh, always. Shout out to Terry Bowden. Uh, Texas looked good against Bama, at least on the defensive end. I don't think Bama has the juice, especially uh, in, in the wide receiver core. Um, but I, I thought they acquitted themselves well. That did get a bit of a damper when UTSA ran whatever they wanted for an entire half against Texas before they made any adjustments uh, at halftime the week after. That's That, of course, Parker, as the announcers were keen to point out against Alabama, has to be the Gary Patterson effect. Down in Texas, he's got those boys on defense, you know, adjusting, doing the right things, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Well, he didn't have a headset on during the game, so let's let's walk that back just a little <laughs> bit. But I will say that, like, all reports coming out of Austin have been that, like, he is just exceptional at communicating the fundamentals of defense to players. And um, granted, he might have been involved in some non-defensive communication activities the last couple of years at TCU, and that was an issue, but. The man can coach defense, and he's a big asset to players. And it is um, both infuriating and nice to see him like actually coaching football and being good at it. Right? We have never we have never argued that he's bad at coaching defense. 
I, That's never I think been we've argued position. that he's too online. We've argued that he yeah. uh, doesn't <laughs> want to make changes at any minute. But in terms of coaching defense, no, we the respect is there. That was that was the thing. I think that's the only time I crossed the line. Uh, the Texas Alabama game was the announcers kept talking about like now that Gary's you know he's he's yeah. not a TCU anymore. You're like why? Why isn't he a TCU? That wasn't a hey you're losing some games. I guess we're gonna I guess we're gonna call this thing up. Like this wasn't like a normal program firing a coach for bad performance. There was some, there was some normative issues off the field that, uh, that I feel like get glossed over really easily. Involving SMU really, which is going to, it's crazy to think that a year ago we were talking (laughs) about whether a teenager or a 20 year old had assaulted Jerry kill with a helmet, despite the fact that video evidence very clearly showed that Jerry kill had in fact fallen on the ground of his own bullshit. Every single person involved in that, in that incident is at a different school. How is that it's, real? <laughs> that was a year ago. I don't. A I don't year understand. Ago. Where was I when we recorded that podcast? I'm trying to remember now. Yeah, you would have been in the wilderness at that point. No, I was actually in Colorado in civilization because I watched the game with a friend, and then that Sunday night I recorded it with you. Yeah, I remember that. That's um, wild. Just an absolutely wild time. Well, congratulations to Texas for losing to Alabama. We should also point out that a different congratulations for Texas for getting a quality loss and moving up in the polls, losing to Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> the official the official party line of OrangeBloods.com. <laughs> uh, Texas A and M lost to Appalachian State in a game in which they did not look competitive. I'm not going to pick on A and M. The internet's done that already. I just want to credit Appalachian State. That is a team that. Even though they beat Troy on a fluke Hail Mary, which was sick, I, I will point out. That's a team that came in prepared, knew what they wanted to do, and executed the game plan to perfection. They controlled the time of possession. They stopped AM when they needed to. They didn't do anything they didn't have to and won that game on their own accord. Hell of a performance. Hats off. Shout out to Cameron Peoples, uh, mostly because he's a good running back, and he's a running back with the word run in his name. His name yep. is Cameron. Um, I think that's pretty great. So yeah, that was, that was interesting to me. I think that that is, is like a hyperbolic example grant of the problem we talked about with Steve Sarkeesian's offense. Like Jimbo Fisher's playbook is like a thousand pages long, dude. It just, it's just hard for a guy to learn that. And you can't do everything you want to do. Like the offensive game plan you design might not be able to be executed at all. It's not tailored to the, you know, the processing capacity of your quarterback. Yeah. It's just, it's tough. Well, the thing about Jimbo's playbook is that it's a thousand pages long, but it feels like it's three. Like, it feels like he hasn't designed a new route tree since 2014 when it was just, hey, Kelvin Benjamin, get open and we'll throw it to you. Um, I have a lot of questions about Jimbo. I, I, I will say, Parker, I was on the uh, Statistically Speaking podcast with uh, Kyle and, and Blink and Riley. Uh, comes out tomorrow. Um, at the end of the day, they do an Aggie fact um, at the end of each episode. Kyle unearthed this fact. Parker, as of today, September 21st, Texas A&M has fewer red zone trips than Iowa. My goodness. Okay, that, okay, interesting. I would be interested, my initial thought is that Iowa has had multiple punts blocked and multiple turnovers, and so Iowa's offense has not generated those quality possessions so much as Iowa's defense and special teams has generated those quality possessions. But that's that's um, that is damning. 
Uh, listen, Iowa's the worst offense from a Power 5 supposedly decent program I've seen in a really long time. I understand there are mitigating circumstances. I think Colorado's offense is worse than Iowa. Well, but, but I, I, said, suppo- I, said, I said supposedly good. Iowa, no one no. is supposing Who Colorado's Who has said good. that Iowa's offense is good? <laughs> <laughs> At least the program is decent. I, I just that, that blew me out. Of, we spent five minutes on the podcast just kind of sitting in silence like, wow, that, that certainly is something. It is um, absurd. I of, mean, they could have beaten yeah. Iowa State so soundly if they could have completed a pass. Well, that's where I was going. Iowa State beat Iowa for the first time under Matt Campbell. Yeah. He, look, man, he's got the monkey off his back, and now he can finally go take the Nebraska job and fulfill his destiny or whatever <laughs> the internet rumors are. going to be hard to take a job when you don't have an agent, though. I don't know how he's going to manage that. Um, I will say in terms of a football sense, I'm, I'm – I was I would not look good. Iowa had two punts blocked. Like I mean, it took Iowa's offense, Iowa State rather. Iowa, I it took Iowa being awful for Iowa State to win a very close game. That's a good to get you know break the streak, whatever. Good for them, but man, I I just feel like that was a game where I thought you should be winning by like fourteen points right now, and you are driving driving to win in the very last minutes. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that when we do our picks at the end of this episode. But Iowa State. Congratulations, you beat Iowa. I, I you shouldn't be proud of what happened. It was a very embarrassing performance. Also, well, go ahead. No, I was no, no, just no. going to say transitive property though this weekend, and we'll talk about this with picks. Baylor really just piddled around and couldn't do anything against the BYU team that lined up against Oregon and got its ass beat for sixty minutes. Just absolutely pushed around. Um, so, again, transitive property in college football doesn't hold. But, man, that Iowa State-Baylor matchup has really lost some luster from the beginning of the season. It has. It's going to be fascinating to see. Because if one team dominates that game, we'll get to this at the end. If one team dominates, you say, okay, maybe they're okay. But if this is a close game. I'm not coming away for either team feeling confident. Uh, this weird, looming, sneaking suspicion that TCU could win the conference is going to go wild if Iowa no, State Baylor is like nine to seven this weekend. <laughs> I listen. I That's love not TCU. Don't, I don't believe it's, it. It's, I'm just I don't know what suspicion you're talking about because I don't it's, have it. It's going to go amok. It's going to run amok. The last thing I want to talk about, and then if you have anything, please let me know. Um, so Urban Meyer clinched a Nebraska job on Saturday. Um, with Nebraska laying a total turd against Oklahoma in their home stadium with the entire crowd behind it. Congratulations to go up 7 nothing, and then you don't score the rest of the game. Hell of a performance by Oklahoma. It was uh, a good scripted of... drive by Nebraska. Yeah. It absolutely was. And honestly, on the Oklahoma side, Dylan Gabriel looks a little weird, man. Yeah, um, he kind of did. That, that, I mean, he had like the 61-yard run that kind of bailed him out on that drive that things were going well. They had a couple stalled drives, and then – you know, overtime and coach, like obviously a full staff coaching staff is going to be able to outsmart a short staffed coaching staff and, and one that's not very good on average. So, um, I mean, I kind of expected Oklahoma to pull away, but I did, I, I maintain every team in the big 12 looks beatable this year. I don't think there's a juggernaut. I agree. I will say it is also not funny because people losing their jobs normally isn't funny, but it is comedic that uh, Nebraska's interim f- fired the defensive coordinator the day after the Oklahoma game. Uh, yeah, that's which is like, come on, man! Like, wh- what did you expect was going to happen? That's not his fault. That just means earmuffs to everyone. That just means that he always thought that guy was a dick and just 
flexed yeah, her recovery. Like, all right, we're out. <laughs> that's unfortunate. That is, that is, but that's like a hundred percent in her, you know, in her office squabbles. And he was like, that yeah. guy took the last, uh, that guy took the last cup of coffee three days in a row. He's done. I'm, I'm sick of him. <laughs> He's oh out of here. man. Is there anything else you want to talk about before we talk about TCU football? No, no, Green. I've been talking so much. I got to tell you, man, this this new schedule of these videos and the Bet US show is killing me. Just in terms of the sheer amount of of hours a day that I am being forced to use my voice is, um, it's good. What a problem! I'm getting paid to talk about college football, but still, man, it is uh, it is it is a grind. I did not expect it to be this much of a grind. I stepped back from Football Outsiders, so I didn't have to write a column Monday morning. And uh, I think I'm actually working harder this season than I did uh, last season. So, have you have you you always talk about hydration? Have you tried honey in your honey and lemon? Yeah, I do like really a little tea and honey. There's this John yeah. Moreland song. Um, I can't remember which one it is. You're not the exception. You're the rule. I traded love for somebody cool. I don't remember. But he says, uh, outside the club, drinking Nyquil and honey, trying to conjure up some rock and roll." And I empathize with that yeah. deeply. You can sound a little raspy and a little. I'm always a little nasally, but I'm very nasally right now. And uh, I'm glad that I don't live in a place where allergies could be getting me, because man, these things this could get bad really quickly. Gary, my co-host on the on uh, BetUS, is uh, from Memphis, where I'm originally from. And just yeah, this uh, this fall just kills you. Uh, you know, spring kills you too. But he's he sounds all kinds of crazy with the congestion and all that. So glad I don't have to deal with that. But definitely working my voice a little bit. Well, I I'm gonna play a sad song on the world's smallest violin for you uh, as I think about you getting paid to talk about college football, Parker. Let's talk about the TCU Horn Frogs. Hey, Look, Max I, Duggan is the second best quarterback in the nation. Dude, Grant. what the hell? He's so good. Wrong. I've never been wrong about anything. <laughs> He's, and I am so happy that the that the best quarterback in college football is Jalen Daniels. It makes me so glad. It's like my two favorite people in the world are one and two. Um, yeah, TCU, look, they've blown through. Let's spend 30 seconds on the Tarleton game. Uh, TCU beat the hell out of Tarleton. Duggan looked better than I think he literally ever has in a TCU uniform. Um, great performance. Enjoyed the hell out of it. Did exactly what they needed to do against the FCS team. Congratulations. I, I will say it, the, this, the only nugget I'm going to take away from this, twofold. One, you got to get Quentin Johnson the ball. You got to figure that out. Yes. Um, you know, like, like Shayhan responded to me and was like, well, maybe they're like scheming away or whatever. And it's like, dude, if Colorado and Tarleton state can deny Quentin Johnston, your offense is cursed. It has, mm-hmm. you've got to fix that. Um, second against FCS Duquesne last fall, Max Duggan, two for six on balls, 20, 20 plus yards downfield, zero touchdowns, one interception against Tarleton state, uh, last game. Six for seven on balls, 20 plus downfield, three touchdowns and zero interceptions. Grant, put our Max Duggan love aside, like what he, what we owe him from the program, like all that, whatever the dude was putting the ball in just amazing places. I mean, absolutely had touch. Um, uh, Jeff over at two, four, seven at Hornfog blitz he and I were talking before the season and he said, Chandler's going to win the job, but Max is like a way better quarterback than he was last year. And I think that's true. Yes. I think we're seeing that. I think that absolutely we, we've seen, hey, he has the raw skills to be a fine uh, FBS quarterback. And again, it's an FCS opponent, but just the stark contrast of, hey, the offense wants him to succeed and he's able to rise to the task. That's that's pretty awesome. It, it literally is. We've said this about, I won't say the name, but someone in the TCU uh, athletic department. It's like 
all of a sudden your dad telling you that he loves you for the first time and is like willing to like it, it's it's like he's opening up. He's a whole new human being. It's 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 so nice to see. It it really makes me happy. Um, do we know Parker as a lead in, and maybe you can educate me? Is Chandler still out for the SMU game? I believe that Chandler Morris is officially unavailable. Okay, because he's he TC has been like showing pictures of him, like in promotion. Like, hey, here's our team. I, I haven't heard anything, so I just want to make sure. My understanding is they took a lot of that before the season, and they're not as dialed sure. in to the injury news and all that. But I believe that I believe that I don't have an official report. One of those sites has a report. Yeah. Um, this is going to be, I, I believe, but yeah, I, I, I believe he is out for at least the next two games. Okay. Do, okay, I was about to do a blue collar comedy tour thing, but I will stop that. Um, yes, so I it's going to be Doug. Against, <laughs> I, I believe that Britney Spears won a basket robin's thirty one flake. Uh, it's that's okay because we didn't actually do blue collar comedy tour on the podcast last <laughs> time. We talked about the fact that we spent thirty minutes before we recorded the podcast just reciting blue comedy collar tours. I watched a Ron White interview thirty minutes before I hopped on a call with you, so it's it's I fresh in my mind. I didn't see if uh, I saw that Dan Whitney. Made an appearance at college football game day, college, college football game day. You know what I'm talking about? That's uh, not what it's called. College game day. And but I, I I didn't watch it, so I don't know if he was Dan Whitney or if he was Larry the Cable Guy. I'm gonna guess if he was in public that he was Larry the Cable Guy, but that's just me. Ron White also talked about ayahuasca for 15 minutes, so we could take that offline. But I've been I've been doing a lot of research. Yeah, we're gonna have Parker, a text message thread about this later. Yeah, that's that's, that's it, it. That's for our other podcast that um, we we don't reveal the name of. Okay, look, we're going to preview SMU. I also want to say that a lot of what, certainly me and and probably not Parker because he's a quant, um, am thinking about this game comes down to a lot of off-the-field stuff and not off-the-field in terms of, not really even in terms of bad blood, but just in terms of storylines and in terms of, hey, the importance for TCU to win this game, the importance uh, for Sonny Dykes to win this game, um, this is as much a mental battle as it is a, hey, who are the guys on the field that are going to play this game? Because as you and I were talking about beforehand, on paper, TCU should just line up and beat this team because they can't. Uh, I think TCU could line up and just run absolutely over SMU. Um, like literally physically run over them um, in a way that we haven't seen in a couple years. Uh, I think that the, the mental aspect is absolutely uh, on the forefront here of, what kind of environment um, that high school stadium will be able to conjure. There is a lot of hate over there and there are a lot of assholes over there that are going to be able to conjure a lot of hate. It's going to be, it's going to be a nasty environment. They can't get it up for every game like this, but I think they can get it up for this game. At least grant my, my question before we kind of get in the X's and O's, if TCU loses this game by two scores, what are we talking about? Um, I think we're talking about, it, it had to be a failure on the offensive end. I mean, X's and O's wise, it, it would have to be, look, the system isn't working um, or hasn't been implemented correctly. And also maybe there's just some sort of voodoo that we don't understand to where we can never be happy again. Because on paper, TCU should not lose this game by two scores. Even if they lose, TCU should lose by a field goal or a touchdown or whatever. But if this is a game that SMU controls, there's termites in the foundation. Yeah. And we need to call an exterminator. A Power 5 program returning 82% of production, regardless of coaching, should be able to beat this SMU team. Unless that program is Colorado. Throwing the gauntlet down. Well, yeah, because Colorado's real bad. 
Also, look, congratulations, that high school stadium. Apparently, it's a sellout. I hope all 15,000 people that are available in Dallas to watch this game have a really great time. Yeah, there's also kind of like the L.A. Dodgers thing here with like, does a sellout mean that people are actually going to be in the stands? Um, I feel like... I feel like um, Garrett Reginald Johnson the fourth might just stay in the you know he might just stay at the boulevard or they probably never left the house right. Stephen and Joseph in their space talked about uh, apparently on like one of the ticket resale sites you can buy a ticket to this game for sixty five thousand dollars that's right on the front line. That is the most Highland Park shit I've ever heard in my entire life, dude. Just that's like overvalue. Look at me, I'm in the front row. For a game that like nationally doesn't matter and also will probably lose, God. Okay, it makes so, me so, so putting aside that that's very obviously modern laundering, it's very funny to me that there's this idea of a Highland Park who is like, I don't know, what does a ticket go for these days? Sixty five thousand dollars. <laughs> it's one banana, Michael. What does it cost? Ten dollars. <laughs> Oh, man. All right, let's talk about football a little bit. TCU comes in at 2-0. and They had a really bad first half against Colorado. They beat Tarleton State like they should. They didn't have a running clock in the second half against Tarleton State, but I think that says more about Tarleton State than it does about TCU. Yep. Um, SMU comes in at 2-1. and one. They, they really beat a, a not-great UNT team and then uh, scored fewer points, actually, uh, against a, a Lamar FCS opponent. They kind of just pulled the plug pretty quickly there. That's fine. They went to Maryland last week, and uh, they lost 34-27 to in a very weird game. Tanner Mordecai threw for 369 yards for a QBR grant of 52.7. That's on a 100 scale. Tanner Merrick Mordecai failed last week. Yeah, it was very stinky. We'll it was get not to that. good. Three touchdowns, two interceptions. Uh, SMU averaged 3.6 yards per rushing attempt. That's not sack adjusted, but um, that's not you know too big of a deal for me. And uh, they were 10 of 21 on third downs. They faced a lot of third downs, really weren't successful on early downs. Grant, they had nine scoring opportunities and came away with only 27 points. A um, couple of those were being aggressive, going for it on fourth down. A couple of those were fumbles and, and interceptions, but a sloppy performance overall in a game that they arguably very much should have won. Yeah, they absolutely should have won that game. They settled for a lot of field goals, and credit to SMU's field goal kicker. Those were down the daggum middle. But there were a lot of missed opportunities, especially in the passing game, just overthrows, throwing into coverage. I have a lot of thoughts on Mordecai. We'll get into that. But I I don't think the defense is is, um, good, and I think that they blew a lot of chances and when you combine those two you're probably going to lose a lot of games especially against like a power five opponent with a decent quarterback and a coach that kind of knows what he's doing so yeah no I, I totally agree um looking at smu overall this season again throwing out the fcs game because those don't really matter i actually see a picture of a pretty a pretty t- a team in flux a little bit which is crazy because they have a returning star receiver Star in quotations, and they have a returning actually pretty I, good. Hold on, hold on. I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna pause you there. Rasheed Rice is good. Okay, I'm not slandering Rasheed Rice. Yeah. He's good. He's fine. Yeah, he's good. He's a good receiver. Okay, I just want to. We, we we've talked a lot. Given, of, we've said a lot of things. He was I given a good. lot of platform 
last year, and he didn't have a good performance against TC last year. And last year, SMU had four guys with 60 or more targets, right? They absolutely spread the ball around. Now they only throw it to Rashi Rice. They have no one else. They're giving him the entire workload, and people are citing volume stats to talk about how good he is when they just don't have anyone else they can really throw it to reliably who can make plays. He is a fine receiver. He's not otherworldly. I heard the phrase today. This is my fault for hearing it. Best receiver, one of the best receivers in college football. I don't agree with that. I think he's a very good G5 receiver. I think that the narrative about him not getting recruited by TCU entirely lacks context to the fact that TCU took five receivers who were rated as high or higher than him the class before and didn't really, they weren't really looking for it. And I think that he just got a huge mouthpiece and Gary Patterson handed it to him last year. So um, he'll go get the workload. He'll get his this weekend. That's fine. He's going to get a lot of the volume, but um, I, I don't think by any stretch of imagination, he is this kind of otherworldly talent. at receiver. He's not going to Blitnikoff. He will get drafted and make a roster. Yeah, that's great. And that's kind of my expectation for like the best SMU receiver, right? Like, that's kind of yeah. what they've done historically. I think he's, yeah. I think he's fine. fine. Just the hyperbole has gone a little far. Um, but they also returned Tanner Mordecai, one of the most experienced quarterbacks in the nation, who looks like one of the better quarterbacks in the nation last year. But as we'll get into this year, looks a little bit. Um, maybe, maybe just hadn't had some great games to start. Squirrely eighty-seven is yeah, squirrely is whatever uh, word I would use. Yeah, eighty-seventh um, in EPA per play margin. They're seventy-fourth on offense, 69th in passing EPA. 81st in rushing EPA on offense, on defense, 85th in pass, 83rd in rush. Grant, one thing that really worries me, they haven't given up a lot of points, right? Uh, 44th in echo rate, that quality possession rate. 45.5% of opponent drives have ended in quality possessions, but they're 79th in points for quality possession, allowing 4.4. So they're getting beaten by the big play, man. That's something I absolutely have circled for this matchup. They, they really are struggling uh, allowing a lot of explosiveness. Their EPA is worse than their success rate on defense. Um, and uh, and that is just a big red flag for me. They're, they're really getting, they, they really have some problems, especially against uh, when they couldn't get to uh, uh, Talia last week, uh, Tagovailoa, they, they really let him just kind of do whatever he wanted. Yeah, he could do whatever he wanted. And also they were pretty poor at containing the edge. Um whether it was jet sweep or just running the outside, they did not do a good job of contain. Um, they run a really interesting system. We'll get to that in the defense, but it's it's to me it is a system designed to defend the pass. And if you run the ball, they they don't have a lot of answers. Is is kind of my evaluation of SMU. Um, I I don't necessarily know what the thought process is there. Scott Simons, their defensive co- uh, coordinator, he was at Liberty uh, before he came to SMU. We can talk about that, but we won't. Um, yeah, I, I just I, I'm not a big fan of what they do there. No, I think defensively they lack a little bit of identity. I think that um, if I'm looking for opportunities, I guess we're going into the defensive spot side first. I didn't really, we didn't really get. We can do that. Hey, that's fine. You know what? We've never done that. Let's do that. Let's go defense yeah. first, real quick. Let's knock it out. Um, um, so uh, if I'm looking at that, I'm thinking that I don't think that Maryland has a Darius Davis type playmaker on its roster. Um, I don't think they have a Tay Barber type playmaker on their roster. Yeah. So to have T- that, both of those think that really gives you some dimensionality with TCU. You get them on the inside, back and forth. You get, um, <clears throat> excuse me, you get uh, Quentin Johnson and Jordan Hudson on the outside. I think that's a really good kind of double threat there. Um, but I do really think 
that this SMU defense is is just just not where they need it to be to be kind of this national step forward from what they were last year. You look at their 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 most snaps. Um, you know, again, PFF grades are only what they are. But of sure. the top six guys with the most snaps, three have PFF grades less than sixty. One of them is their safety Chase. Uh, this is last year. Good lord, let's do this right. No, I, I have the I have the twenty twenty two of of their top. Uh, probably five guys uh, that have taken the most covered snaps. Um, five of them have grades less than 70. There we go. Um, That's the only one that doesn't is Arbonne Johnson, uh, who's a cornerback. Um, honestly, decent corner. Um, but besides, I mean, he's, he's been targeted 10 times, giving up four receptions. Um, but if you look at their safeties, they're, they're pretty weak. Nick Roberts has been targeted seven times, giving up six receptions. Uh, and Isaiah, boy, I'm going to butcher this. Uh, well, Cobia. Um, he's only been targeted twice, given up receptions both times. Um, so, yeah, not a lot of guys that are, are, are really going to lock down any, any receiver with any talent. And, and look, Austin Ani is older than me. He's older than life himself in North Texas. <laughs> but, I mean, he's not a very good quarterback. And against Maryland, I think they really had some issues on the defensive side of the ball. So looking at their um, – Looking at their defense against the slate of offenses they've played and kind of how they break out, I really think that TCU has more multiplicity than either of the teams that they've seen. And TCU has a better run game than they've seen. TCU, 67th in EPA per rush, but grant the 33rd in rushing success rate. So not a lot of explosiveness out of the run game. Again, I, I would count some of those very short passes against Colorado as runs. But um, TCU is going to move the ball successfully on the ground. And I really think that their offense has an explosive over-the-top potential through kind of coordination that they didn't have last year. That should really make this a, a lethal kind of dual threat against a, an SMU defense that's really struggled to stop the run. Yeah, and SMU, they do a lot of two-down. Um, and, and just linebackers and, and nickels kind of dancing around trying to confuse. Parker, Explain what that means to an idiot. <clears throat> well, um, uh, briefly, it's just that they have two linemen in a three-point stance. Um, yeah. And so that could be a, a tackle on an edge or really two tackles. It kind of depends on what they want to do. Um, and they'll have a linebacker kind of in the almost line up at nose tackle standing up, or they'll have a nickel threatening off the edge. Parker, have you seen the movie Raiders of the Lost Ark? I have. Okay. Do you remember the scene where uh, Indiana Jones is, is, is facing that dude and he's just swinging a sword. He's doing a bunch of tricks. He's, he's you know, whatever. Then in the middle of this bazaar in Egypt. And then uh, Andy just pulls out a gun and shoots him. Yep. That's the SMU defense to me is, hey, look at all the stuff we're doing. Wow, look, yep. it's really confusing. Yep, we don't know what we're going to do. Just run your play and you will probably succeed. Um, they try to do a lot of things. They try to be a lot of things to a lot of people and they're really nothing. They don't have an identity and, and, and they don't... They have some guys that are okay, but they don't have, uh, you know, a, a dude that can stop a gap or fill a problem. Um, and, Maryland and so I, averaged I think, eight yards a carry against them last week, Grant. Eight exactly. yards a carry. Exactly. So the linebackers aren't what you want them to be. The defensive line really is non-existent. I, I, this is an opportunity, as much as you and I both want TCU to air the ball out and, and try new things— like Kendrick Miller, Imani Bailey, Imari DiMarcado could have a great game on Saturday if they just stick to their guns and do the basics and don't freak out. Tissue should be fine on offense. I, I think so. One, one other thing I looked at is um, Talia was pressured uh, 28% of dropbacks, and he only rushed for 42 total yards uh, scrambling. 
And so I think that they really nullified that threat. I don't think he's a very good rusher um, on its face. I think that SMU did not generate pressures very well against the Maryland offense that they knew was going to pass. They had to keep guys back in the secondary to kind of cover those, those deep threats. And they weren't really punished for it because Maryland didn't necessarily have the quarterback who was going to run the ball efficiently. I think that Max Duggan in the backfield here gives you a, and even Chandler Morris, who I think is pretty mobile would give you a, a chaotic element here. That's really going to stretch this defense thin. Now, Grant last year, I don't know that TCU's offense was the problem against SMU. No, it certainly wasn't. Um, and so I, barring you having any more thoughts about the, the, the SMU defense here. I, yeah, I no, think please. I'm more focused on what TCU's defense is going to be able to do against this SMU offense that has historically been very good is bringing back Rhett Lashley, um, who went to Miami for a couple of years, got Derek King. He was hurt, didn't really know what to do and kind of moved on when the administration uh, fizzled out under Manny Diaz there. Um, Grant, you, you watched a bunch of Tanner Mordecai. Yeah. Tell me, tell me what you saw out of him as this senior veteran quarterback uh, the last couple of games. So I was honestly surprised. So Tanner Mordecai is a capable quarterback. He he has talent. But what I don't think Mordecai has necessarily – it's not that he doesn't have discipline. It's that, it's that at times it's almost like he doesn't know what to do. He, he has so many options that he kind of freaks out. Um, very rarely does he set his feet on throws. Very rarely does he – throw from the same arm angle and a quarterback like let's go to the top Patrick Mahomes or whatever that can be viewed as a good thing right that's a value it's like hey this guy can improv he can do whatever he can fit any throw into any window from any angle with Mordecai it's more like yeah man I'm just gonna try to wing it and hope things work out he stares down his targets a ton uh, and I think that gets into a lot of trouble. He tries to fit balls into windows that he really shouldn't and probably doesn't have the talent to do so. Tanner Mordecai is a decent quarterback. He can be a good quarterback. He almost looks uncoached to me in that he, he doesn't look disciplined. Uh, I, I I think there's talent there. I think there will be times when on Saturday he'll make a throw and you'll be like, damn, great play. But he does not have the mechanics enough to be consistent. And I think that's really going to show against a defense that is better than, you know, uh, Maryland or uh, Lamar or North Texas. No, absolutely. I think the numbers kind of back this up. Last season, Grant, on short attempts, so between zero to nine yards uh, downfield, 75.3% completion rate. This season, um, 62.5% uh, completion rate. Same thing with um, yards, uh, balls at or behind the line of scrimmage. Last season, 92.7% completion rate. This year, only 76. So that might be a little bit of concert of he lost a bunch of good weapons from last season. Sure. And SMU really has been a lot more concentrated in their production on offense. But it also might mean that without those options, without a bunch of guys running crisp routes, he might not be able to um, – you know, look pop pop as much as he has in, in past years. They're definitely. I mean, I, in college football, Grant losing your coach matters. I don't care how good you are. Yeah, like that absolutely. absolutely matters. I think we're seeing a little of that with Tanner Mordecai. You know what Mordecai reminds me of? Okay, I am very bad at fashion. I don't know how to dress, right? But you see, like NBA players walking into a game, like you know, in, in the pregame, you know, camera, whatever, and they're they're just getting fits off. It's like wild stuff. It'd be like if I was like, oh, like. You know what? I'm six foot four, you know, handsome face, great head of hair. I should try this outfit on and just completely brick it. 
And Mordecai feels like he's trying on a lot of outfits. Um, because he doesn't have Dykes there to be like, hey, this is what you, you actually should do. Like, don't be an idiot. We can stick to conservative blues and blacks. Like, he's, he's trying on a lot of things and, and resorting to his base tendencies, whereas he really should just do what he's coached. And I think you're right. I, th- I think the loss of Dykes really hurts. And I think he, he's trying a lot of things and not really succeeding in any of them. Not that Rhett Lashley is a bad offensive mind. I think no, he's really course. great. He's I really new. like him. Just new. It's it's first year and it's hard to um it's hard to being a head coach is different than being an offensive coordinator. I think we're seeing that with a lot of guys this year, especially. Um and so I, I again Tanner Mordecai is good. This is not like a well actually Tanner Mordecai is bad. We're just documenting like he's looked a little shaky this year. Um, and perhaps the transition between losing all that talent, losing those options, losing Grant Calcaterra underneath. I don't know how they're yeah, going to replace that at all is, is going to be huge. Um, they, they're relying on a very good receiver in Rashi Rice with most of their production. But the way that they're using him is, is really different. So um, last season, I mean, they got the ball to him. At, you know, at or behind the line of scrimmage in short yarded situations, uh, almost 65% of the time and the rest of his attempts were downfield. Grant now 31% of his attempts have been 20 plus yards, um, only about 40% of the time shorter behind the line of scrimmage. They're, they're, they're really um, moving around to try and figure out how to get him the ball because they really just don't have a lot of options. Uh Curly, I think Jordan is his name, who is a uh, TCU legend, uh, Jeremy Curly's cousin, uh, I've been told, ha- has been decent for SMU kind of in cleanup duty. But, um, they, you know, they don't have him. The other guy is uh, Kelvante Dixon, has 14 targets to Rashi Rice's 45. But Grant, last year, like I said earlier, four four guys had more than 60 targets. They were really distributing to kind of that three-headed monster and Grant Calcaterra. It has been the Rashi Rice show absolutely this season so far yeah that's something i want to highlight and, and you kind of touched on it parker Kelvante dixon is second on the team with 14 targets rashi rice has 45 targets he has 28 catches dixon is second with eight tana mordecai his first thought when he drops back is where is rashi and can i throw the ball to him within three seconds um, yeah so if tcu is able i don't care put Travis Hodges Tomlinson on him and get a safety over whoever it is to, to just, you know, kind of double team shadow, make sure he doesn't get free. That takes away half of SMU's passing offense. You know who I think about in that moment, Grant? I think about D Winters, who again is playing his natural position this year. If Tanner Mordecai has to take more than like 1.5 seconds to throw the ball, I feel like D Winters is going to be there. Like absolutely in his business. Also, I don't want to get too excited about this. Marcel Brooks is dressing this weekend. I don't know he if he'll sure play, is. but he's definitely dressing. So um, that to me is pretty exciting. One other thing that I look at in terms of can you get your playmaker with ball, Grant, early down ZPA, SMU's offense is 89th right now. Hmm. Their offense is 42nd on third and fourth downs, though. So they've made a lot of hay by converting those third downs. They were, you know, 11, 11 for 21 on third and fourth down opportunities against uh, Maryland to extend some of those drives. If you're in a third down situation, I think that with that 3-4 or the 3-3 that TC is playing, they're going to be able to bring guys that, that it's really going to mess up your rhythm. You can double rice and then say, hey, we're just going to we're going to single everybody else and we're going to come after you. we got an extra man, you know. This is <laughs> do you know what I want. I just realized this. I want this to be the Shad Banks game 2.0. 
It feels unfair to ask that, but I get it. it, it, it it's, it's unfair. unfair. It's not going to more. happen. I just part of me wishes Listen. that Shad Banks had left his cleats in midfield after the paint. No, I, I agree. Wrote off I agree. sunset, and I was never going to be disappointed by him. I am disappointed he's not a starting linebacker, but th- the linebacker depth is so thin. Grant, he's going to have to play. All I'm saying is, when he's not returning kicks for reasons unbeknownst to man, <laughs> just just on, on third and six. Put him at edge and say, you know what? Your one job every time it's more than third and five is tackle Tanner Mordecai. Give him, give him some smelling socks and slap him in the face and then send him out there. <laughs> um, Grant, I saw this Jeopardy uh, category last night. And the category or the question, the answer, I guess, because you give the question at Jeopardy. Mm-hmm. The answer was uh, this duo returning kicks for TCU is the most random two players you could think of. <laughs> the answer was, what is Mark DiMarcato and Shad Banks? What if your third string running back and eighth string linebacker return kicks? <laughs> What's the worst that could happen? Um, Absolutely wild. Wait, I, I do want to talk about something. So SMU's running game, really interesting in that they don't do it often. But when they do it, it's not terrible, I would say. They have three guys that they trust, TJ McDaniel, uh, Trey Siggers, and Velton Gardner. Uh, Velton Gardner was at Kansas, I believe, right? He was, yep, yep. And he's averaging 7.6 yards per attempt. Yeah. Um, So empirically, they are uh, 53rd in offensive success rate rushing, Mm 42.9%, 69th in, uh, no, excuse me, 81st in EPA per rush. So they haven't really gotten explosive runs, but they are running. They're 11th in rush rate over expected. So they are passing a lot, like you said, kind of a selection and rushing there, but they're able to kind of get their spots to get those successful plays. It looks like they're actually kind of, so that story of low EPA, high success rate, low, low rushing Mm -hmm rate over expected says like, Hey, on third and seven, they're not afraid to call a draw and send guys, you know, 40 yards downfield and then give it to one of the running backs and hope he can beat him out and, and get that first down. Yeah. And, and honestly, you're, you're right. They're not that explosive. Uh, McDaniel has a 57 yarder on the season. Gardner has a 40, um, but they've, they've ran the ball 96 times. They have 12 uh, rushes over 10, uh, over 10 yards. Quick mental math tells me that's what like one out of every nine will go longer than 10. Um, so it, it, it's not a focal point of their offense. I, I don't think it's uh, a negative. I, 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 I would caution TCU to be like, hey, they'll get four yards a pop on occasion, and don't let that stack up. Can I, I ask? Is- can I just ask something of TCU? Don't yeah. let a white guy with a neck roll average seven yards a carry against you. T- SMU needed 350 rushing yards last game to beat TCU. Tanner Mordecai, aside from a, like a 68-yard Danny Gray, just a missed tackle, missed assignment, fluke thing, did not pass well at all against his TCU defense. They just absolutely lined up and ran over TCU in one of the most embarrassing fashions I've ever seen. If TCU could just not give up seven yards of carry to a white guy with a neck roll, Grant, I think that they're going to be fine. Look, I— that guy with the neck roll is haunting my dreams for the last 365 days. So I, it'd just be really nice if TCU won the damn game. I don't really care if we do. I, a guy with the neck roll can run for 300 yards. As long as TCU wins, I don't care. Um, we should talk briefly about the offensive line. They're fine. As a unit, they're fine. They're, they're nothing spectacular. They're not bad. They're not necessarily good. I know that's a boring answer for the people that listen to this podcast. They're Okay. Uh, uh, Branson Hitman's actually, I, I think, a pretty decent center. I'm, I'm actually kind of a fan of his. Um, but other than that, I, there's not much to report. They lose a lot of Lee. 
um, to TCU. And, and I think that yeah. we've seen how he, his mental side of the game and his versatility um, have really benefited TCU this year. And so, of course, they're going to they're going to be depleted. But the fact of the matter is the offensive line just doesn't matter that much for SMU, right? They're going to get the ball out quick. They're going to yeah. try and move yeah. around. And so if TCU can create some disruption by um, kind of avoiding – you know, getting a little bit of pressure and, and, and Dylan Horton's super athletic. He's going to be more athletic than anybody on the offensive line there. Um, Dom Williams is, is probably bigger and more physical than anybody on the offensive line at SMU. They can create some disruption, especially in the passing game, just so that, you know, let's, let's not give Rashi Rice a chance to score that 50 yard touchdown. Right. I think, I think the defensive line will be instrumental in that grant when the, when the linebacker core is so weak right now, just because of depth and, and maybe a low ceiling, um, the defensive line is going to matter that much more. I agree. And so in, in that case, I'm going to pivot to something that you kind of mentioned and I wanted to touch on and forgot that I wanted to touch on it, which is that SMU is going to try to get the ball out quick and they're going to do it in a way that is going to look is going to look frustrating and that they're going to throw weird formations at you, right? But as an educated viewer of college football, which all of our listeners are, I want you to realize that it may look weird let me tell you, it's the same kind of weird that every other quote-unquote weird air raid program runs, right? So against Maryland, for example, they ran a formation. Uh, they were on so right side, uh, right hash mark, so uh, field sides to the left. They had trips left, and then they had a receiver basically on the sideline left as well, right? So five wide, trips left, and then another guy farther left. Yeah, that sounds exotic and odd. Uh, I guarantee you Lane Kiffin's done the same thing five different times. Like, th- they're not running anything that isn't pervasive across college football among the more progressive air raid coaches. Well, you know it, you know what it is? It's Gus has his tendrils everywhere. Because Rhett Lashley was a Gus yes, guy. Yeah, it's a Gus disciple. It's, yes. it's Gus. Yep. It's Gus. Yeah, it's it's Gus. just weird shit from Gus. Yeah. Absolutely Gus. Yeah. Um, and, and so when you're watching this game, all I want to say is, yes, you're going to see some things that, especially to a TCU fan who has had to watch – Sonny and um, and Doug Meacham's offense for the last decade. Not that that's a bad thing, but you know what you're familiar with. It may look weird. And I don't think anyone else in the Big 12 runs something quite that weird. Let me tell you, it's not. It's I, I guarantee you, not only did Dykes run this last year, or a version of it, he he's aware, and so is uh, Joe Gillespie, of what they're doing. It's not going to throw a loop in a TCU's defensive plans. The best way to think about it is there's going to be an X, a Y, an F, an H, and an R on every play, right? That's yeah. our air raid personnel. Just who are those guys, right? You line yeah. up those guys and you think, okay, maybe they swapped out a slot receiver for the R and they're running five wide or something, but they're going to line them up in weird positions. They might have what, what should be a blocking tight end out wide and they're going to try and run an L screen. Like just, again, there's, X, Y, F, H, and R. Just find those guys and, and you're fine. Um, I will note, Grant, um, Tanner Mordecai's time to throw in 2022 against uh, UNT was only 1.98. They just got the ball out and said, we're going to beat your athletes yes. uh, easily. 2.05 against Lamar. It looks like they were working on the downfield offense. 2.87 against Maryland says, hey, we're challenged by P5 athletes. We're having to wait a little bit to get routes to develop to find somebody open. So um, that that's definitely something to keep tabs on is can TCU frustrate Mordecai, deny his first option, make him make those reads and maybe get into that wide receiver depth that SMU, you know, doesn't necessarily have this year compared to last year. Yeah. Their offense is like when you got to college and you met the first person that was like really into vampire weekend 
You're like, wow, this guy's indie as hell. And then you're like, oh, no, that's just everybody. And, like, it's it's a little weird, and then you listen to it, and you're like, oh, okay. No, pretty much everybody likes this, or everyone does this. It's, it's nothing exotic. I, I will say, Maryland, they didn't pressure Mordecai as much as I thought they would. Um, certainly, at least it didn't look like it on tape. I don't know what the stats say, but, like I said, he stared down his receivers a ton. I think a lot of that... Um, time to throw has to do with him to be like, okay, this route's going to get open. I know it's going to get open, like, certainly. And then he'll, he'll just force a throw in there. Um, yeah. As you can tell, I am not high on Tanner Mordecai. So. Let me see. Um, let's just, again, let's just do our um, do our numbers here. Yeah. Uh, Maryland against SMU pressured on 28.1% of dropbacks. So that was 9 of 32 dropbacks. But those were all blitzes. So the, yes. the clean and pressure situation split was, and, and I assume Maryland runs a three down as well, um, just from those numbers. So TC is going to have to blitz credibly and knowing that those secondary options might be able to be one-on-ones for TCU frees them up to bring a guy from the outside as well. Yeah. Parker, if there's nothing left uh, to say about uh, SMU, let's get into, do you want to do Twitter predictions first or our predictions first? No, let's do let's do Twitter and then we can do our best case, worst case, and then our predictions. Yeah, love that. All right, so I'm pulling, and up. we'll talk about some other games as well too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Um, Are you in the Twitter community? I want to shout out the Twitter community. I'm trying to not yeah, actively yeah. run off my audience now that I'm national, evidently, but still tweet about TCU. And so trying to keep that in that TCU football community. So if you're listening to this and you're on Twitter and you like TCU, make sure you join that TCU football community so that um, you can get, you know, we're, I'm trying to tweet in there, which gets us a little bit closer circle and I can react and respond to y'all as well and, and see that as my as my timeline grows. So Grant, I, I tweeted about that there as well. In addition to the, uh, to the main timeline. Parker signed big machine records, but he's re-releasing his own uh, albums on, uh, you know, it, it, this is Parker's version TCU tweets. I'm going to definitely rename the space. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, so want to hear from you. What are your predictions? We'll start with uh, a former editor of mine, Jordan Ray Hart. Uh, TCU 33, SMU 24. Game is close at halftime, but Kendry Miller runs wild in the second half to secure the W. Jordan, I would say substitute that name in for Mario DiMarcato, and I think uh, you might be right. Um, Matt Caulfield, uh, friend of the pod. This is a noon game, so I predict that I start drinking at noon. Buddy, it's 11 my time, and uh, you're, you're, you're late. I'll be there it's also 10 my time. So I got to look, man, I'm 31. I got to find a line, but yeah, I'll have beer <laughs> for halftime. Let's go. Uh, also that they line up uh, Trey on rise to great effect. The New York defense actually does something against the run. TCU by north of a touchdown, just by running them ragged at the end of it, which I like that. Your lips to God's ears, Matt. Hell yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm fine with that. Uh, Grant Rutledge, uh, Grant underscore Rutledge, Max in the offense look ready to go from the beginning and defense makes some opportunistic plays to get an early lead. Uh, Rice gets two TDs. SMU makes it interesting at some point, but 42-31, good guys, TCU. We'll get to this. A lot of the predictions are high scoring, which I'm I'm very curious about. Uh, We'll talk about this best case, worst case. I'm actually more encouraged about TCU winning a low-scoring game. I kind of am too. Uh, Clark Brooks, SEC Stack Hat, being very mean. uh, Rashi Rice will get loose, and there's little TCU will, will do about it. Clark is Clark. a jerk, and you shouldn't go read his content unless you want really good details about SEC quarterbacks and the schemes they run and situations they're put into. But other than that, yeah, you shouldn't read his content. 
Welcome to the Big 12, Clark. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a joke. I love Clark. Uh, College Football Unlimited, uh, his model, whatever that is, uh, SMU 37, TC 36. Can I be Can I be a dick for a second? Because I clicked on that because I was like, this is interesting. Yeah, okay. Okay, if you have a paid product, don't advertise it on my freaking feed where I'm talking to fans, dude. Like, come on. All right. Well, all right. Get out of here. <laughs> Clint Foster. I predict lots of sweating. And as you noted, that's every day for me. Parker, I live in Bay City. That is also every day for me. I got to tell you, I, I live where supposedly humidity doesn't get you, and I'm still struggling. So I think that's just a big man problem. I'm a man of size at a human environment. I'm going to sweat. Uh, D. Duncan Soul, uh, friend of the pod, stop the damn run and quit obsessing over what Rice could do. Amen. Good Agree. players get Also, D. Duncan Soul, we're waiting for a theme song, man. You, look. Yep. You play the music. gauntlet's been thrown. We, we'll hear it. Absolutely. Good players get theirs. Turning average players into stars is what loses games. I love that. Uh, mm-hmm. TCU 34 uh, to 31. 1012 Network, TCU 31, SMU 30, and he has a game. I believe that's Bob's Burgers or someone laughing evilly. Uh, Gage Cash, TCU has scored on like 14 or the last 17 possessions. If they keep that efficiency up, then they win by 10. Buddy, if, if they keep that efficiency up, they'll win by like. I tell you what. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Will Dogarn, uh, TCU 27, SMU 13. Spoiler alert, it's really close to what I think. I think Sonny knows the system and players on SMU and dominates through his game plan. Payson Hatfield, TCU 34, SMU 24, and no flags planted. Well, it's a turf field, so I, it'd be really hard to plant a flag in that. Also, given what we've seen about that field and the bubbling and the water, I would not stick anything into it. Who knows what's going to explode out of there, man? Jeez. Yeah, there's a whole sewage plant underneath yeah, Gerald no, J. No. Ford Stadium. Uh, uh, SMU's it's... campus, Grant, I don't know, this is a fun fact we're getting this year. SMU's campus has power outages all the time because the way it's built in Dallas – their, their main power lines have to go under 75 over across the highway. So there's all these kinks. There's all this weird engineering. SMU's campus is very precariously put together. I would not stab anything to the ground over there because you don't know what's going to happen. Not in my backyard. Uh, Andy Mintz, uh, TCU 73, SMU 71, and nine overtimes. <laughs> Sure, man. Andy, uh, look, look Andy, Andy Mitz told me, I had, he had me on his podcast, and he was like, I think Kansas is going to go six wins this year. They're going to a bowl. And I said, Andy, that would be like a 95th percentile outcome. That would be absolutely crazy. crazy. Like, that would just be no, no. But models say no. And uh, he's feeling himself because Kansas is, is rolling right now. So I'm, I'm going to let him have it. You know, I'm going to let him have it. He might be a soothsayer. I, I, I don't necessarily hate that. And then finally, oh, well, not finally, uh, shoot a shoot. I've got the other ones, TC yeah. TCU 36, yeah, TCU 36, SMU 31. 36, nice. 31. How do you get 36? 36 is 33 in a field goal, and 33 is... Well, that's that's three touchdowns and five field goals. Dude, don't make me watch that game. No, I mean, that, that, that actually makes a lot of sense. Um, over in the over in the TCU community, um, uh, Woodbergs uh, says TCU thirty eight, SMU thirty four. That's right in line with the model and what it has. Both secondary struggle and frogs winning the shootout that features zero fourth and goal wildcat passing attempts. Michael Woodbergs, I've got something to tell you. We have Sam Jackson now. The wild the wild frog is an entirely different ball game. Than it used to We're be. We're back more. in. We're back I'm in on back the wild. In. Son of a gun, I'm in. 
Um, Colin Post, uh, one of the worst guys we've ever met, says uh, 30 to 21. TCU is the better team, in my opinion, but I don't trust the Frogs' offense to put up 40, even on a bad Mustangs defense. We said they were a work in progress. Colin said bad. Uh, I'm expecting Darius Davis to go off on a slow SMU defense. All right. It's it's cool to see like a, a you know. A, you know, one of those guys in middle school that is doing journalism kind of weigh in. It's really awesome to kind of hear Colin's thoughts on this. Yeah, I'm glad he can finally legally buy a pack of cigarettes after turning 18 a couple weeks ago. So that's uh, that's good there for Colin. Matt Bogg says 38-31. Duggan cements his place as starter for the rest of the season. Okay, I love the I, energy. I love the energy. We didn't talk about this. If TC wins this game, like, handily... That's a conversation for Sunday, but I don't want to have it now, but that is a conversation for Sunday. That's, it is immaterial to me, and I want to uh, say that we're calling balls and strikes on the quarterback situation, so I wasn't going to bring it up now, but we'll talk about it on Sunday. Yes. If Duggan does something, if Duggan goes like three touchdowns, no interceptions, and then a rushing touchdown, we're like, dude, what do you want this team to be besides this, man? Like, We are going to have a conversation. Uh, JD Saylor says 48, 24, not letting the failures of the past regime dampen the outlook for this season. <laughs> that is coming in real hot. Uh, Andy Swain, TCU 41, SMU 31, TCU some more talented rosters should press their talent advantage. If the frogs force SMU to play red zone roulette, love that phrase because of what SMU did against Maryland in the red zone last week and make Mordecai challenge throws. Rashi Rice could be a problem. So saying maybe Rashi Rice gets a couple big plays, that's how they get to 31, but they can't finish drives. Okay, get that. Uh, Left in green drinking club, Frogs by 90. I would expect nothing less from them. Susan, 35-14, TCU. Uh, slow start for TCU. Max has another great game. Uh, Brian Nettinger, uh, Nettinger sorry, says Frogs win 34-31 by a field goal in a game that you can't settle for field goals. That's That feels like a curse, Brian. That feels like you're a gypsy and you're um, – you're cursing us. Um, Pappy says 35-17 frogs. Love that. Very into that. Yep. Uh, the uninformed frog. This makes me nervous because I like his prediction too, but he's the uninformed frog. Says 42-28. to 28. Good guys. The uninformed frog was actually the our backup name for this podcast. So <laughs> that, that works pretty well. Only because we don't know what we're talking about. It was already taken as a podcast. Toad to <laughs> Omaha, 35-31 frogs. Rob Miller, 49-38 to 38 frogs. This is so oddly specific. I have to read this whole one. Rob Miller says, 49-38 to 38 frogs. TCU turns it over twice in the first half and settles for two field goals on promising drives. Trail 24-13 and a half. Frogs rally behind a special team's touchdown and a turnover to come back and secure the win with time to spare in the fourth. Rob, what have you seen? What do you know? Tell me what stocks to buy. That's too specific to not be true. If that happens, go to Vegas, put it on black and send us 20% (laughs) of your winnings. (laughs) That is wild. That is wild. Um, Very specific from Rob. Okay. Thank you all to chiming in. We uh, obviously love hearing from you um, and, uh, and chatting as well. Oh, uh, go ahead. I think I think there, I, 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 might I, have I, one I, more I, time I missed, this too. Yeah, I, I missed two more of the quote tweets. Uh, Britt Musselwhite, uh, fifty-five oh. thirty frogs, buddy. Sure, I, I would love TC to put uh, fifty-five up on SMU and Charlie Hogue, the real Hogue. I predict no one buys thirty-two thousand tickets. <laughs> 
don't know. Charlie, yeah. Charlie, sometimes Charlie texts me or DM me and he'd be like, hey, man, I did this eight way parlay for 500 bucks and I won $35,000. And you're like, dude, what do you do? How does this happen? Go, Charlie, next time you do that, buy the tickets. Make sure nobody shows up. Yeah. Like, that's, okay. that's the plan. I do, I do betting content. That's what I'm saying. I, I, I do picks. Charlie, go follow him if you're actually a degenerate. This dude is like 11 a.m. on Tuesday is like Austin FC is going to cover two and a half. Here's fifty five hundred dollars on it. Like just absolutely insane. Love him for it. That's great. <laughs> I suppose it's our turn, Parker. Uh, I, I'll go first. I'll go best case. I, I think there's a world where TCU wins this game 41-20. I was going to go best and, case scenario, 38-13. Yeah. So, right. So I added a field goal and, and, and you added a touchdown. Yeah. It, it's TCU should win this game on paper. TCU should win this game in terms of scheme. TCU should win this game in terms of personnel. 41-20 is within the realm of possibility. It's it, it, and, and that 41 won't be a, oh, like TCU was a, you know, 28-20 and ran up to score. It'd be like, oh, like TC scored 41 early and, and Sonny called the dogs. I, I I think we're in a place where it's 35-14 headed to the fourth, maybe 35-10 and just kind of limp into the finish. That's best case. Can I can I ask you? So, yeah, my best case, 38-13, very, very easily. TC avoids the hole. That's what I'm asking yeah. about. Yeah. They dug yeah. themselves a hole the last couple of games here and just let stupid stuff happen and then haven't been able to overcome it. Can they kind of quell that energy, play solid football, avoid the Danny Green 98-yard touchdown, avoid the pick six, avoid the special teams turnover? Um, if, if they can do that, I think they should win this handily. And, and 40 is certainly in the realm of possibility. 38-13 feels really good to me. Grant, that, that's, my, that's my question to you. Can they avoid the hole? I think that segments us to worst case. Um, so worst case is that they're digging out, right? And, and, and TCU does have the firepower to dig out. That was the case last year, too, and they just refused to dig. Um, they were handed a shovel and threw it back up and said, no, no, we have this with our hands. Yeah, if TCU gets into the hole and, and, and they don't do a good enough job, this turns into a 27-20 loss. I think like a, a loss is certainly within the realms of possibility. I, I think that would be the, the worst case. Absolutely in the range of outcomes for me. I would say the loss looks closer to 31-29. Maybe TCU's driving late comes up short. Mm. Um, I just don't see a world where TCU can't put up north of 27 points on this offense. So 27 points, Grant, is for for 10 drives is 2.7 points per drive, which is not great. It's okay. Two and a half is kind of the average. I think they'll be north of that. Um and so I could definitely see if SMU wins this game, it's because they it's because a big turnover held and, and no special teams touchdowns from TCU. A big turnover from TCU puts them under 30 points. SMU just ekes over the line there. I think that's worst case scenario. I don't see this at all being like a 16 to 9 Baylor TCU 2019 game or, or 18 game or anything like that. To be fair, TCU won that game, which I would take. Um did anyone Speaking have of, fun in that game? <laughs> I did because TCB Baylor. Shout Which, out to Jalen Rager who went and shook the hands of the Philadelphia GM and was like, no, I get it, dude. I get it. <laughs> you didn't draft Justin Jefferson over me. I get it. I understand. <laughs> we'll talk about this on Sunday. We, we skipped it in our like two-week recap. We need to talk about Bedlam going away. I have a lot of thoughts. 
Um, just in terms of like rivalries and write all this down because I'm going to forget. I'm so am I. I guarantee you we won't talk about it. Okay, <laughs> let's do actual predictions. I I think TCU wins. I'm going to say I think TCU can score here. Give me 38. Give me 38-27 TCU. Okay, I'm going to agree with you because the model. So the model has TCU 36.8, SMU 32.7. That's a TCU yeah. cover. That's TCU win. I'm going to agree with what TCU's offense can do to SMU. My prediction is TCU 36, SMU 19. That's 12. That's four field goals and a touchdown. Okay. Gives me a little bit of leeway because I know that SMU can absolutely pop off. And, and look, Rashi Rice, I don't want to talk ill about a college student. I'm really not trying to do this. It is just weird that he's gotten so much attention saying both – no one comes to Texas for Fort Worth, and also I wanted to go to TCU, and why didn't they recruit me? Those have been the two things about him in the national media. Those seem diametrically opposed. Seems a little weird. I bet he gets a touchdown. I bet I, I bet he gets his moment. That's great. That's good for him. I don't know they do much outside of that. So 30, 36 to 19. I will balance that with a nice thing about an SMU student. Uh, uh, SMU I thought that was very off. nice. I tried to be – I tried to – whatever. I hate this uh, SMU's kickoff specialist. <laughs> <laughs> SMU's kickoff specialist, kid named Brendan Hall. I covered Brendan Hall uh, for all of four months in the off season. He went to Springtown High School in Springtown, Texas. Kid is six seven, has the biggest leg I've ever seen. Rooting for Brendan Hall, he boots the hell out of the ball. Uh, he's a punter and a kicker. Good for Brendan Parker. Let's pick some games. I. Let's do it. Have the BetUS lines up. We'll go Big 12 first, and then we'll look at, We'll look nationally. Sound good to you? That sounds great to me. All right. This podcast is already an hour and five minutes long, so yeah. we're going to rip through these. West Virginia is a two-and-a-half-point favorite at Virginia Tech. I am taking Virginia Tech. Uh, the numbers say Virginia Tech. I actually think West Virginia is better than their aggregate metrics so far. I'm taking West Virginia. Okay. Baylor is a two-and-a-half-point underdog at Iowa State. I'm taking Baylor. The numbers have Iowa State favored by six. I think that there are some pretty big red flags in Baylor's offense, specifically, and on their defense. I'm going to take Iowa State to win and cover. No, I I, I, I would take Baylor money line. Um, we have well, yeah, because okay. yeah, but... Yeah, I, well, they're... Yeah, okay. It depends um, on the aisle. Is he going to pay a premium for two and a half points? Uh, in there? Okay. Uh, do, uh, Kansas. Parker, when's the last time Kansas has been a seven and a half point favorite? It is such a, it is such a crappy thing. It's a delight. That game day went to Tennessee, Florida. That just so, just the people who are in charge of this sport hate this sport, Grant. They absolutely hate it. Um, I, I'm I'm a little worried about some regression from Kansas. I feel like they have been very good, but they've caught teams in spots, specifically West Virginia. Man, I think they caught yeah. those linebackers with their pants down. So that offense is good. Jalen Daniels legitimately earned the title of gunslinger. I I, I like I, I the line I saw. What what was the line you have on that US right now? Uh, seven and a half. Okay, I'll take Kansas seven and a half. I saw it as ten or nine earlier. I think that's too much. Yeah, but seven and a half. I think. They'll yeah, I agree. Um, Kansas State, okay. Kansas State's a 13-point dog at Oklahoma. I'm tempted to take Kansas State money line, but I'm taking Kansas State to cover. 
I think Kansas State will cover. I think that they they got a little coy with their offense last week in anticipation of the Oklahoma game yeah. and really got in a situation where like, oh, shoot. They really had some issues with like some power situations, third and short, but I think they'll overcome that. They have Deuce Vaughn. He's super explosive. I'll take Kansas to cover, but Oklahoma to win. Yeah, I think on, on statistically speaking, I took Kansas State to win, so I'll, I'll, I'll stay with that. Um, and the, the last Big 12 game is Texas as uh, a six and a half point favorite at Texas Tech. Quinn Ewers, I believe, might play. Uh, I'm actually going to take Texas to cover here. Um, I, I'm going to take Texas here. Last season, Grant, just based on the numbers, this was like a one point spread, and then Texas beat them like it 70 got to weird. 30. Just yeah. Oh, no, that was the year before it got weird. Yeah. 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 Beat the ever loving hell out of them. I think that Texas Tech is very fun. I love Donovan Smith. I think their defensive line is so freaking fun with Tyree Wilson. I think Texas is better than them. I I, I think that Texas should cover this. I agree. Let's go national. Let's start with the game that's going to really hurt me. Notre Dame is a one-point dog at North Carolina. Parker, I'm going to tell you this right now. I said this on statistically speaking. This is a game that North Carolina, North Carolina loses 10 times out of 10. Uh, take Notre Dame. Trust me. Just take Notre Dame. Is um, Can Notre Dame's offense keep up with North Carolina's offense? Like, North Carolina's offense is awesome. Their defense, the despite question. the fact that That's they have a guy question. named Storm Duck, is very bad. Uh, I don't know that Notre Dame's offense is where they want it to be. It, it, anyone's offense is what they want to be against North Carolina. That is true. It is a cure for the common offense. I agree. I, I, I'd be inclined to take Notre Dame. I wouldn't bet this game, but this isn't betting advice. I'd be inclined to take Notre Dame. Yeah. Um, I just like this. <laughs> I'm just going to mention this because it's a huge line. NC State's a 39-point favorite hosting Connecticut. Dude, Dave Doran's not beating anybody by 39. <laughs> I just like that. Uh, Michigan State is a Michigan State is a three-point dog hosting Minnesota. I think Minnesota should win this. By, uh, the thing about it, it's a Big Ten game, so it's not going to be a big spread. But this should be like 17-10. I, th- I think Minnesota covers. I have Minnesota covering by the numbers. I will say the one thing I'm looking for this from a football standpoint, Grant, is Michigan State has a really bad pass defense. Michigan or Minnesota runs a ton of RPOs, and they have Mo Ibrahim, yep. like a really good guy. But their their best receiver, Alman Bell, is out. So obviously there's some adjustment there. But like, can Michigan State? Make Tanner Mordecai pass and then defend it so they don't have to Tanner tackle Mordecai. Him. Uh, Tanner Mordecai. Sorry, okay. I got Tanner Moore. I've been saying it a bunch. I know, I know. Can I know. Michigan it's, State just, make Tanner me. Morgan, the 29 year old man, uh, pass. Yeah, he's still in college, dude. Uh, crazy. Um, yeah. So, so I don't know about this one. I have I have Minnesota to cover by the numbers. I actually like Minnesota. I think they're pretty physical. Michigan State scored a bunch of points in, in what should have been categorized as garbage time against Washington last week. So, sure, row the boat, man. Row the damn boat. Uh, Clemson is a seven and a half point favorite at Wake. Do not be deceived. Take Clemson. Take Clemson. Wake can't get the ball to At Perry, man. They just can't do it against Clemson. I know. Can't do it. I, I don't care what Clemson's offense does. The slow mesh does not fool Dabo. It just doesn't fool him. We're going to have a conversation about the slow mesh at some point. I love uh, it. Um, Tarleton was doing it. I don't know. We didn't I know, do it. I know. That was, it was so unreal. funny to me. You were like, hey, man, you're going to get tackled pretty quick here. Are you sure you don't want to do something with this ball? <laughs> unreal. 
Uh, Florida is a ten and a half point dog at Tennessee. I think Tennessee wins, but I think Florida covers. Buddy, that has Florida upset written all I know, over. I know. I sorry, Iowa Rutgers is a thirty-four over under. I don't want to bet it, but what they scored nine, they scored seventeen against Nevada last week. This feels like an under, and and I was a and, seven point, seven and a half point favorite. And Rutgers' two starting quarterbacks are out, so take Iowa, but don't watch it. Good Christ! Um, the only other game that interests me really is USC at Oregon State. Uh, USC is a six point favorite. I, I'm very tempted to take Oregon State here. I'm gonna wind up taking USC, but. I would not be surprised if Oregon State pulls this. I wanted to believe, Grant. I really wanted to believe, but numbers, spot, everything. I, I don't know that uh, – I talked about this at length on the Bad U.S. show. I don't know that Oregon State can handle Mario Williams and Jordan Addison. Um, Jordan Addison, excuse me. Um, I, yeah, so I, I, I'm taking USC officially on, on the play this week. Uh, I have a little bit of money on that. I think that everyone gets caught up in the mystique of the night game. That's fine. But Oregon State's and offense mostly yeah. mostly moves through running. And um, and I think USC should be able to outpace them, outpace them heartily. Yeah. Any games I'm missing? I, I think I kind of hit the highlights. There's, there's not a lot of big matchups this week. No, for all the grief we got about like the bad week two, which was actually awesome. There's not a lot of great ones. Grant, I will say JMU, JMU App State is legitimately a fun as hell matchup here. JMU got that Colorado State transfer, Todd Santillo. Mm -hmm. He is slinging the freaking ball. I think that James Madison should cover against App State and a little bit of emotional letdown there. But man, that's a lot of fun. It's going to be a really fun game. App State's a seven point favorite over under 58. I take the over and I probably take James Madison, but I do think App State wins. Grant, I don't know about um, our life circumstances, but look, we need to end up in an App State game at some point in the next couple of years. We got to figure that we out. We just need to move to Boone. I think it's kind of what the answer is. I, I I was there over the summer, and it's beautiful. It's um, great. It is great. It's it's awesome. Parker, this has been the Purple Theory Podcast. My name is Grant McGowan. You can find me on Twitter at Grant McGowan. It's felt like it sounds with all those vowels. Plug for me for once. Listen to, to the Statistically Speaking podcast. I hopped on with Kyle and Blink and Riley. Uh, recorded Monday. It'll be out when you listen to this. Had a great time. Picked some games. Talked about uh, how you and I started a podcast and uh, just general TCU things. Um, you are Parker Fleming. You can find him at Stats of War on Twitter. Uh, and the Bet US show, which airs when? Bet US show, uh, noon central on Tuesdays and Wednesdays on YouTube. If you are listening to this, I don't care if you watch the show. Go like and subscribe to that, man. Just subscribe to the video. helps me out a lot. But really good information there. Me and Gary and Kyle, some good stuff there. Also, Parker's previews, Powered by the Hammer, goes up uh, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday in the mornings as well. I'll retweet those. Just a little bit more of an in-depth game. Uh, analysis as well. You can find it there. If you're following me on Twitter, you'll see all that. So that's that's the place to get it. The only reason Grant and I started a podcast is because I was at Big 12 Media Days and this Frankenstein walked in. It's just huge human walked to the door and I was like, oh my gosh, I got to look at this guy. And then I saw his name tag and I was like, oh, I know that name tag. And then I felt compelled to talk to him. And here we are three years later, four years later, still talking about TCU football. So sometimes, uh, sometimes the world, just the universe just aligns 
strange things to happen there. But uh, we'll be back on Sunday. We'll be a regular schedule. I know it's been a little dicey the last week and a half. Some some crazy stuff. There hadn't been football, but we're two a week going back in. So we'll talk to you on Sunday, hopefully to recap a TCU victory over the SMU Mustangs. Go Frogs. Go Frogs. Go Frogs.